There was a there was an old Christian man who uh, he told his son one day. He said, "You know, the older you get, the more you start thinking about the hereafter." Well, it was just a while ago. I walked into the kitchen and I said to myself, "What am I hereafter?" Tell you another one. There was a drunk man. This, I, I, I thought of this one because I got baptized once drunk, and all I got was wet. <laughs> but there was a drunk man. He stumbled down towards a river where a preacher was having a baptism service, and the preacher says to the drunk, "He says, are, are you ready to find Jesus?'" He said, uh, "Sure." The preacher dunks him down into the water and he brings him back up and he, when he rises up, he says, oh, have you found Jesus? And the drunk replies, no. Are you sure he fell in over here? <laughs> Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for this blessed day that you've given us. Thank you that laughter doth good like medicine. We don't take ourselves so serious, Lord, because... We're nothing apart from you. But thank you, Lord, that we are never apart from you. You will never leave us or forsake us. I just ask, Lord, that you use me today. Put your words on my lips and plant the seed of your word into the hearts of the listeners, Lord, that it may take root and bear fruit in their lives. Help them and heal them everywhere they hurt, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you today about Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Again, but maybe in a way that you might receive a little better. Always my hope and prayer anyway. Same message, just with a different angle or point of view. Try to get through. Amen. The cross, I heard a song the other day, you probably heard it, the cross has made you flawless. You ever heard that one? If you don't listen to contemporary Christian music, you might not, but pretty cool song. The cross has made you flawless. Has it? Do you believe it? Who is Jesus to you? What are you here for? What are we all here for in this world, I mean? Serious questions, huh? All deserve some thought and answers. Go to Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. Jeremiah 29. 13, the Lord says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart or your whole heart.
I'm going to start with a little personal testimony about that today, I guess. But it's really about you. If I can paint a clear enough picture for you today of what the Lord's trying to convey through me to you. Amen. I was about 15 years ago. I was really, I had been born again. You heard the skunk story. I was a new creation. But I had a lot of the same old stinking thinking. Still getting a harvest from some of the same old bad seed I had sown in my life. And I was really seeking the Lord with my whole heart for answers about things. Amen. And that's a good thing. One day I was just at the gas pump. Just left work. My wife had gone on ahead of me in her car. And I had to get gas. And we used to have some uh, cows out on Cypress Rose Hill that Kimberly's Uncle Otis had uh, turned over that lease, and I bought that, those cows from him. And when my wife and I would go out there, we always enjoyed it when we'd see rainbows. She called them cowbows. <laughs> but one day I was at the, the pump there, pumping gas, and my heart was about as heavy as it could get, really seeking the Lord and desiring everything that He had for me, but I needed to know Him better. I needed to know some things. I needed to hear from Him. And with tears flowing down my eyes, I was looking into a beautiful sunset there at the end of 2920. And I said, Lord, I'm seeking you. Out loud, just like that. And it was like somebody tapped me on the shoulder, and I turned around 180 degrees, and there was the most gorgeous rainbow from end to end. It looked like it was just there for me. Huge. And I knew it was God. I knew I had a captive audience then. I knew he was with me. I knew he was there. I, I knew he was confident though and peaceful and good and didn't feel compelled to be overstated. But he enjoyed being found by me. And he wanted... Me to know him like he knows me. I was born again, like I said. You've all heard some of the stories. A new creation. My spirit was redeemed, but you can't discern that with your natural senses. Perfected, holy, flawless. The mind of Christ, the kingdom of God had taken up residence in this earthen vessel. But I was looking for the manifestation. Amen. Now he was about to begin a, a journey of restoring my soul. I love that part of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not lack any good thing. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures and leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. That's that reboot we're all looking for sometime. Set it back to 
factory conditions like he made us, like he made us supposed to be, amen, (laughs) through his grace. If you back up a couple of scriptures there, it's a scripture that's on my binder here, and you're probably all familiar with it. Too bad people don't go all the way to 13 and find out about having to and needing to seek the Lord with your whole heart. Because we all stop at 2911. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. Then he goes on to say, Then you'll call upon me and come and pray to me, and I'll hear you. And then the scripture we just read, that he will be found by you when you seek him with your whole heart. God only wants good for us. He wants us to be filled with hope and expectancy. Expectancy. Trusting in Him. Because it's that trust that will cause our faith to, what was the song? To rise up, stand, walk, and run into His arms. Amen. And to appropriate all that He has for us. Peace, love, Joy, forgiveness, healing, deliverance, prosperity. In every area of your life, the true meaning of prosperity. But you can't let the devil talk you out of your inheritance, folks, your blessings, out of your joy. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. He always has been. And he uses fear and lies as tricks against you. Don't let him. Resist him. You're supposed to really actively fight against the devil. And we know the weapons of our warfare aren't carnal. This is the only offensive weapon we have, the Bible. So how do we actively resist the devil? By magnifying the Lord. By believing God. Amen. I had questions. Which birthed an idea for a a book, another book that I intend to write, Lord willing, called Dear I Am, Who Am I? (laughs) So he began to reveal the answers to me and, and, and much more that I more than I could ever have imagined. I would say he began and is still revealing and manifesting great grace in my life. And he's no respecter of persons. We know that from the word. Doesn't mean he doesn't respect anyone or like us. It just means that he doesn't favor one of us over the other. He loves us all. He's got your picture in his wallet. But he's got my portrait on above the mantle. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Give you a little assignment. It's up to you. The book of Ephesians, beautiful masterpiece Paul wrote. It's just six chapters, about three or four pages long. The first three chapters of Ephesians lays out everything that, by grace, it's a book about grace. The first three chapters tells us every, talks about everything that's been done for us 
by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. For us and in us by God's grace. The, the next three chapters says now, <laughs> knowing this, having all this done for you, now let me show you how to live life with the grace of God working in and through you. This is where most people's train jumps the track. Because you hear a lot about the grace of God these days. What they call in grace compelled the half-brother of Jesus, Jude, to write a one-page book in the Bible blasting people when he really said he wanted to talk to us about something else. But he had to address this issue about how people have taken the grace of God and turned it into a license for sin and how wrong they were. See, our lives aren't just about receiving Jesus as our Savior. Everybody likes that part. The forgiveness sounds great. And it is. He's an awesome Savior. But He's also our Lord. And it's the Lordship over our lives that we rebel against sometimes. Well, you can't have one without the other. Isn't that fair? He wants us to learn to appropriate and to manifest the life of Christ, His character, His nature in the earth today. Amen. When He left, He was finished. He sat down at the right hand of the Father. He sent the same helper that He had while He was here to be with us. And now, you're His mouthpiece, you're His feet, His hands, His arms. Romans 8, verses 28 and 29, says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to those, His purpose. Those who love God and are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, listen to this, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren and sistren. <laughs> Man, y'all are serious today. I hope it's because you're listening so hard. God's ultimate purpose for us is revealed right here in these scriptures. Become conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen, or oh me. If we fail in our pursuit of the Christian life to become more like Jesus Christ, we fail. I'm sorry, that's the truth. There needs to be some sort of evident change in a life that's been renewed and that demonic spirit cast out and the spirit of God moved in. Because faith will manifest in, in works. You see? 
It's the byproduct of the relationship you already have with God, though, not to earn it. That's the difference in grace and works and, and the law. Amen. Our goal has to be to be become his image. What does that mean, to become his image and his likeness? Those are the two things. To be, be transformed to his image is just simply to be born again in our spirit. We're spirit, soul, and body. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. That's done. One third of your salvation is complete once you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then, and his likeness. So his image and his likeness, they sound the same, but his image is from the new birth. His likeness is in his character, in our soulish realm, our mind and will and emotions, our personality. That's our soul. Mm -hmm. It's not works. It's grace. Let me give you an example of the difference, folks, because people get this confused. So confused. One of these precious children does something wrong. This is, a, this is something she doesn't do. But this would be an example of the law. You did this, you're bad. You did this, you're a bad kid. That's the law. You did this, and that was wrong. That's not who you are. That's not who God created you to be. You're better than that, and I'm going to challenge that in your life all the way through your life. Any claim that Satan tries to make on that child, she's going she's to come against it. She's not going to allow that. That's her only job with these children, to raise them up, her and her awesome husband, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Not fear like being afraid of, but fear as in an awesome reverence and respect. Like you, like God had when he made you. Do you know you were fearfully and wonderfully made? God was in awe of his own construct when he created you. That's awesome. And listen, you have grace if you have Jesus. You have the grace to manifest Jesus all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. You can bite your tongue, folks. Yeah, you can. You can bite your tongue and you can love them. And you can just trust God with that situation and circumstance. If you roll it off onto Him, if you really cast your care upon Him and don't try to take it back. My nephew sent me a picture the other day. This guy was knocking on a door like this. And he said, the caption said, Me, every time I, I give something over to the Lord, and he's like, the guy's saying, uh, Lord, any update? <laughs> yeah. If you keep digging that seed up, you're never going to see it take root and bear fruit. <laughs> so let me just tell you, this does away with the uh, I'm only human excuse. 
or standing up at a meeting, uh, which I'm not against anyone. If that's the only help you can get, get it. But I know one step program, folks, where you don't have to say I'm a this or I'm a that. And it's day by day and you got a crutch and somebody to, hey, you're basically setting yourself up for failure from time to time and giving yourself permission. Yeah. And you got a support network to give you that permission. Listen, I'm not against anyone. I love them all, but I got a better system. His name is Jesus. The grace of God is the power of God to be and to do all that he's called you to be and to do. I'm only human. Yeah, you hear that? So is that okay? I mean, are we all going to slip up from time to time? Well, the severity of the things are different, of course. But am I supposed to be okay with that as a pastor? When a woman comes and says, well, my, my husband beats me, but only about once every six months. Oh, well, he's only human. Is that okay? <laughs> All right, then. It's not okay. I'm really trying to provoke you to some serious thought today, folks. Genesis 126, the Lord took care of our purpose. We revealed it in the very beginning of the Bible. Genesis 126, then God, six, then God says, let us make man, let us, that's the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, make man in our image. We're three-part beings, spirit, soul, and body. After our likeness, and let them have dominion. That's control and power and authority over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So create man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. So that's the order for his, his, his creation. For us to be his image, his likeness, and have his dominion. A life identical to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Yes. Dominion and overcoming in this life doesn't happen automatically, folks. That's what I was seeking the Lord about. I knew what had happened in me, but now I needed it to happen through me. And I was trying to find out about these things. In the new birth... We've been made righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are justified just as if I'd never sinned. Hallelujah. But our, stole, our soul still has to be renewed through the washing of the water of the word with the help of the Holy Spirit, our paraclete that has come alongside us to take a hold together with all the situations and circumstances and problems of this life. Galatians 4.19 Listen to this. My little children, this is Paul praying to the church in Galatia. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He was talking to born again, spirit filled believers. And he was still praying that Christ would be formed in them. So let's look at Jesus' life and purpose, okay? Because our goal has to be the same as Jesus other than dying for the on the cross for our sins. But I'm talking about our life and ministry, our character, 
our person. As far as we are to be conformed into his likeness and character, then we should be looking to him as our example, right? 1 John 3, 8 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil who has been sinning from the beginning. The season, the reason the Son of God appeared, now listen, this was my point, not to scare you about your sin. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. So Jesus' purpose, his reason for being manifest in this world was that he might destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. And we need to do the same. That's the point. That's our purpose. And you should be excited to be a part of this end times bride. I'm talking about the real glorious and radiant bride that I've been talking about for 15 years is going to be adorned with all the gifts of the Spirit, walking in power and authority and victory. And all of these apostasies are going to come and you're going to say, well, this is the truth and love. And you're going to say, this is my rod and there's yours. I'll throw down my rod and you throw down yours and let's see. Let's see who God approves. Of. Let's see who's telling the truth. God's truth. Because that's the only truth. We've got to destroy Satan's works. And listen, that means wipe them out. Eradicate them. Not just temporarily bind them. You hear me? <laughs> the key to destroying Satan's works in our lives and in the lives of others is manifesting the Son, Jesus Christ, in and through ourselves. That's it. Just becoming more and more like Jesus and letting it be seen. Let your it, It's not a little light that needs to shine, folks. It's the light of God. It's the light that causes darkness to flee. That's why we don't return evil for evil, because you don't, you can't run off darkness with darkness. You can't pray away the darkness. You have to turn on the light. If we just exercise our authority and run the devil off and bind him temporarily, but then we leave a big open door or window like I've talked about for for the enemy to come in, basically a big landing strip for him of tolerated sin and darkness in our own souls, then we won't have long-lasting positive results in our lives. You have great authority. You're a child of the Most High God. He created everything you know and see with His words, and He wants you to do the same for Him. And to destroy the works of the devil for him. If the devil can deceive you, he'll get you to do some creating for him. Because he's a liar and a deceiver. And he can't create anything without your help. There's a trinity of faith that's involved in our, in our Christian walk. Pray, say, and obey. Pray, say, and obey. 
We have to pray it. We have to say it. And we have to walk it out. Huh? Pray, say, and obey. We have to pray it. We have to say it. We have to walk it out. We, we can't just pray for our friend or our spouse and then come out of our prayer closet and go gossip about them to our other friend. Huh? And then when they come home, we treat them bad. <laughs> I'm praying for them. That sound of a gun. <laughs> what? It's all got to line up. <laughs> Don't sabotage your own prayers. <laughs> you have to believe you have what you pray for when you pray and then act like you have it. Build up and honor that mighty man of God. Love that woman of God that you're praying for. Amen. Amen. <laughs> you have to see them as God sees them. Free, delivered, and loving and serving God. Being the man or woman of God that that he created them to be. And this goes for all your relationships and friends. As well as your marriages. And then you have to keep doing it. The manifestation's on the way, folks. Just because you don't have the manifestation of your prayer by the time you get up off your knees, don't think God didn't do it. Even as wonderful as it is when I pray and lay hands on someone and they j jump up and leap and run around the room. Hi, Norma. <laughs> Which I, 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 honestly, I'd love that to be the case all the time, but the majority of healings are gradual, folks. Even with ministers that I know that walk in, in that, that office, walk in that gift of healings, gift of miracles, it's just not always instantaneous. Jesus said, believe you have what you pray for when you pray and you shall have it. Mark eleven twenty four. You got to quit giving place for Satan in your life if you want to manifest the life of Christ. Another example, people, people keep giving somebody a piece of their mind. Huh? That's why some of them have so little left. <laughs> you don't have to. You have grace not to do that. You have grace to bite your tongue and go pray and say, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna pray about that. You you can't make me hate you. I love you. Hey, you know, I may not trust you. You have to earn that. You may have lost a position in a job or in a relationship, and it could just be temporary. But love and forgiveness, that's just given. Hey, man, I'm, I'm for you. I'm not against you. You can do that. It takes the grace of God. It's a supernatural manifestation. But you can do it, folks. 2 Corinthians 4.11 says, For we all... For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. This is Paul talking. And that's, a, that's, that's something. This is the 
the greatest grace preacher responsible for about half of the New Testament, and he said, we're always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. In other words, I'm not going to change my message to please the crowd. And I'll, I'll stick with that to the death. You're going to have to apply yourself, folks, to, to really see the life of Christ manifest in your life. And are you prepared to do whatever it takes? You see, I mean, these are, I'm just having you a series of questions to ask yourself and, and just to get in your prayer closet, wherever that is, on your tractor, in your recliner, and say, Jesus, I got some questions to ask you and to talk to you about, and I need... I need for you to get me to be honest with you about these things and with myself. Because he already knows the answers. He doesn't ask questions he doesn't know the answer to. He's the greatest attorney there ever was. Remember he stood in that courtroom with me and they didn't even show up. (laughs) What? But before you can manifest the life of Christ, you have to know him. He gave the definition of eternal life in John 17, 3 is just knowing him and knowing the Father in an intimate, passionate way. You have to know him. You have to learn about him. You have to study his life. You have to receive his life and character and nature and gifts and ministry. And when we do, we'll see greater manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit in our lives and ministry. That's just a fact. It's a relationship. We can't think we don't have a part to play and that God's working it all together for the good. He's working working in all directions at all times and God will cause the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. It's the goodness of God that brings repentance. But listen, folks, it says he works everything for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you're saved, you're called. And now it's up to you to... Have a revelation of his love for you which will compel you to love him. You're not going to love him by trying harder to love him. You're going to love him by finding out how much he loves you. It takes time. You can't microwave it. It's important that we know that in this culture that we live in because we want everything yesterday. Jesus prepared for 30 years for a three and a half year ministry. (laughs) Preparation times never wasted time. And one of the things that uh, you need to understand, that even if Jesus returns while you're preparing, while you're growing and learning His Word and learning to walk in it, you get credit for the time that you're preparing. You get credit for the ministry He's preparing you for while you're preparing. I guarantee it. Amen. So, rest in that. Share Christ's love now with everyone. But don't take off half-baked and go try to impress people with with everything you don't know. That causes damage. There's no shortcuts. That's not Jesus' way. Right? In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, come to me and learn of me. Didn't he say that? There's two important questions. Two important questions that we need to ask ourselves. Turn to Matthew chapter 16 briefly. 
Matthew chapter 16. couple of important questions you have to ask and answer yourself. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. And we'll just see what Jesus says. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? Talking about himself. Who do you say, whom do, wait, whom do men say, <laughs> right? Let me back up, got ahead of myself. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? That's where I wanted to start. Who do people say is what he asked his disciples? Why? What, what was Jesus' motive in asking this question, a couple of things. First, to show them that there's a difference between what men say about Jesus Christ and who he really is. And next, to reveal what was influencing the disciples' thoughts, men's opinions, or revelation from God. You can't outsmart Jesus. We can't know Jesus apart from revelation from God. Secondhand revelation won't do, folks. You can, you can make someone else's revelation your own. That's why I encourage you to listen and listen again and study it out and to talk to God about the messages and what you hear because you might repeat something I said and give me credit for it the first couple of times you retell it, but then it's yours. It's just truth that you know and you're just sharing it. You see what I mean? There's a point where you, have, you don't need to give credit to anyone else because you know God has made it, God has turned that light bulb on. It's become revelation knowledge. You understand it. You get it. It's yours. It's truth. And you can't unscramble those eggs, you see? And until you do make it your own and you're just going off of someone else's revelation, the enemy's always going to be trying to steal that word from you. Matthew 16, 15. He said, but who do you say I am? Now he's really getting to it. Jesus is still asking his followers that today. Who do you say I am? And listen, your real and honest response to that question, it matters. Not something you've heard someone else say. Your response. Who do you say he is? That'll open the door in your life from manifesting Jesus. Because who Jesus really is to you is how you will manifest Him to the world. Huh? Have you ever stood up there and watched a preacher jump and shout and hoop and holler and, 
hellfire and brimstone, and you're like, doggone, this guy didn't realize there's a meaning about that blank page between Matthew and Malachi. We're in a new covenant, man. He sees God as an angry God. You see? That's why the devil is after the family in our culture. Get that man out of that household, that priest of that household, you see? Because that's the way God created His order. Get him out. Make, make marriage seem insignificant and unimportant. Question everything. Their identity, their everything. Because God has a plan and a purpose and, a, and an order. And you need to understand. And see, that's why we need loving fathers. Godly fathers. Godly men. Why? Because that is the earthly type of the heavenly father. So when... You, you go talk to these men in prison. I have. The ones that keep coming back, the recidivism rate is so high, unless they're in a Christian dorm. Wow, wonder why. Such a drastic percentage difference. They keep coming back and back, but you talk to them about their families. They either didn't know their father, like me, or they had a mean one. And when you talk to them about their father in heaven, they're like, heck with that. I want no part of that. You see the enemy at work in that? Huh? Peter got it right here. In Matthew 16, 16. He got it right about a third of the time. That's why I love Peter. Because he makes, <laughs> makes you feel better about yourself. He said, Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And I'm here to tell you that needs to be your revelation. You need to seek and find God and see that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. Matthew 16, verse 17. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Why was Peter blessed? Because he received revelation knowledge of Jesus from the Father in heaven. And revelation knowledge of the life of Christ will bring blessing into your life. Yes, it will. Verse 18, and I want to touch on this. Kill a sacred cow or two. Hold on. And I tell you, you are Peter. He was Simon before. See, he gave him a new name. This is like a rock. Okay? Stone. You are Peter, and on this rock... I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. What is the rock 
that the church is being built on? Because if you're kneeling in some of the most beautiful churches around town this morning, you believe that Jesus built his church on a man, the first pope, Peter. That's their doctrine. And it's of the devil. And I love them. There are some of you sitting here today that were raised up in that and you got freed of that. And I'm thankful because I love you and I want you to know the truth and I want you to have a personal relationship with the living God. Not one where you knock on a box and talk to another sinner who talks to God for you. That's ridiculous, folks. That's a doctrine of the devil. Forbidding to marry and forbidding to eat. No, 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 no. Doctrine of demons. That's what Paul called those things. And I love you all and I love everybody. But God is shaking the heavens and the earth one more time. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And what's going to remain is the true bride of Christ. And they don't all have to look and act like us. But they at least need to know Jesus Christ and have a revelation of who He is. The rock that the church is being built on is revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the rock. The rock of revelation. Amen. The foundation of the church is the knowledge of Christ. So who is he to you? Your true and honest opinion of Jesus who he is, it really matters, folks. Who is he to you? I told you before, I told you last week, I've known him as a, a father. I've known him as a friend. I've known him as my advocate, as a deliverer, as my God in whom I trust. And one day we will see him as judge. Not the great white throne judgment for unbelievers, but he will judge all of our works. I haven't seen him that way yet, but I know him in a lot of amazing and beautiful and powerful ways. And I love him for it. And he loves me. And you need to know the same things. But you got to seek him with your whole heart and find out. you got to get revelation from God for yourself. In verse 19, he said, I give you the keys to the kingdom and all this authority. So when you know who he really is, you can operate in your authority in a whole greater capacity and dimension. The revelation of Jesus is going to give you the privilege and the responsibility. Privilege and the responsibility to, to live the life and walk the walk of Jesus. And he's given you grace to do that, folks. John 14, 12, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, show of hands, an amen, something. Sure are quiet in this Presbyterian church. See, I don't just pick on one, one group. 
I love them all. And I'm like, Paul, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Because I love you enough to tell you the truth. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. So Jesus has given you the power, the authority, the privilege, and he expects you to do what he did in this world, to manifest his character, his ministry, his love, his salvation to the sick and dying world all around you. And how many of you know they need you? They need you. You might be the only Jesus somebody ever sees. And you need to encourage them in the things that point to Christ and not, not be their, what do you call it? Not be their huh? crutch enabler in the things that aren't. Not if you really love them. You know. So you got to keep growing. Keep learning of Jesus. But listen, don't compare your revelation with someone else's either. Listen, I know personally, literally, as far as I'm concerned, the best Bible teachers in the world. And when I'm in the room with them, I feel about this big. But I'm not. And neither are you. What he has shown you about himself, if you've entered into this new life, is powerful. It's beautiful. Share it. Shout it from the rooftops. Don't argue with those people who disagree with your doctrine. If you know that you know, if you've heard from heaven and it lines up with this word, don't argue. Don't get in a Facebook fight. If you're arguing about your doctrine, you're not secure in your doctrine. 1 Corinthians 2.2 Just start with what Paul said. He said, when I was amongst you, he's talking to the church in Corinth, when I was amongst you, I, I, I decided I didn't know anything except Christ and Him crucified. You can start right there, folks. And of course, he didn't mean he's still crucified and dead. He meant crucified and everything that that entails from the communion that we took today. Death, burial, and resurrection. But that's all he talked about. He said, I'm not going to try to impress you with everything that I know because Paul was very brilliant. Even Peter said, man, he teaches some things that are hard to understand. <laughs> but he loved him and he knew it was all true. But if you just preach Christ and him crucified, his death, burial, and resurrection, and throne, and lives today and he died for your sins, that, that, that's it. That'll get people saved. And then just start telling about the good things he's done in your life. The revelation God has shown you, and say, "Man, I'm I'm really I you know I don't know much, but I, 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 I he's got me, he's got me." That right there will turn some things around. If 
if you just tell people how good God is and how good he's been to you, because listen, all you got to do is look around, start at your feet and work your way up. And if you just tell them about the goodness of God and that there's a God that loves them, that is the goodness that has been evading some people their entire life and what their hearts are broken and yearning for. You just don't understand. People need to hear that. They're tired and weary and they need Jesus. He's the answer to all of their prayers and worries. Just share His life, His love, His salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says that you are an ambassador for Jesus Christ. This is not your home. You have an amazing home in heaven. It's way better than this. But while you're here, you need to be manifesting the life of Jesus more and more. As you go and grow, keep studying the life of Jesus so you can be better equipped and prepared to represent him accurately to a lost and hurting world. But start where you are. Amen. And use the revelation of Jesus that God has given you to upset, then destroy the enemy's plans, not only in your life, but in the life of others that you know and love or meet. Amen. The devil and his demons, they fear and tremble at the revelation that you're receiving here. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. You just need to put the life of Christ in you to work around you. Amen? Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for teaching us and growing us. Thank you for the life of Christ that you've placed in us. We have the very mind of Christ in our born-again spirits. Help us to draw upon it by agreeing with you and, and praying and saying and doing the things that we are believing for and to help others to see Christ in us and through us, Lord. Let our lights shine as beacons in a sick and dying world that needs you, Jesus. It's not by any strength or power ability of our own that's why you've put all this surpassing power in these earthen vessels these jars of clay so we won't think that it's of us so we'll 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 glory and 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 be thankful in our infirmities and our weaknesses because when we're weak you're strong in us and through us thank you lord jesus we don't have to fight those battles when we are suffering for your name's sake just love them and bless them and let you fight the battles. And Lord, we're just going to try and compel everyone that we meet, everyone that we know and love to promise to meet us in heaven.